this is a British British social British 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 sociologist. A sociologist from Britain. Um, yeah. English dude, gotcha. <laughs> English gotcha. dude. Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. I am John. I'm here in Corpus Christi at my office in a Zoom meeting with two of the finest people I know. One is on my screen above me, somewhere here in Corpus Christi as well, with the Christmas tree in his background. Tom, how are you, brother? I'm very well. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. I, I, even the the uh, was it the the pre the pre packet no the pre I can't even think of what the preview the yeah the pre episode preparation. Uh, there you <laughs> so, go. All right. So Brad Brad Tom did say that he's you know he's he enjoys that and he's looking forward to the conversation. That's his nice way of saying. Hurry up, John. Get us through it. We're going to get this going, right? Get on so, with it. Get on with it. Yeah. So, Brad, hurry up. How are you doing? I'm good. Okay, good. Now, let me <laughs> share a story with you. <laughs> I do want to share a story with you because I think it's a, it can be. I don't, I don't know if it's a good introduction or not. Tell me what you would do, guys, if you're driving along and you see a FedEx or UPS uh, driver, you know, a truck, and you see the driver... Uh, either get off or from the truck, just start throwing things out of the truck and take off. What would you do, Tom? Well, first of all, it reminds me of the time when somebody would have seen a uh, a, a Bell uh, Southwest uh, Bell telephone guy suddenly jump out of his uh, out of his van um, and drop his pants, and uh, that was me. And there was a wasp about two inches long in in my pants. So it was a very public highway. I mean, it was like a, a almost interstate uh, kind of thing. But uh, um, so what would I do? First thing I'd do is probably get on. My <laughs> yeah, phone. Brad, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would call. I would call nine one one. Nine one one. Brad, what would you do? Well, if I see somebody throwing packages at the house and just you know jumping back in the truck and going. I would call FedEx or UPS or whoever it was. Okay. You guys, you're not the heroes we need. We well, need somebody some. would be videoing it. I know that and put it all we, over the internet. We need <laughs> heroes. And so here's what a couple did. This oh. is a, in Ohio. Okay. Uh, they're going along, going home from somewhere. And they saw a FedEx driver who looked like he was throwing trash. And when they turned around, the FedEx man was gone. They pulled out to where he was and looked over the side of the guardrail and there were about seven packages laying out that the guy just dumped over the the rating. I don't I don't know what time this was. I my imagine is my imagination tells me it's uh, towards the end of my shift. I'm ready to go home. Let's just get rid of the package. Now mm-hmm. they didn't call nine one one. They didn't call FedEx at least initially. You know what they started to do, guys? Get the packages. They got the and packages deliver and deliver them. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. These are the holiday heroes we need. <laughs> I, okay. See, see, and and in, in, in listening to that, I'm going. That guy stole the the truck, and now he's getting rid of the. He, the he's trying to yeah, you know, pick up speed. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah those uh, big packages, you know, those cards and everything. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. <laughs> they they did contact FedEx uh, and they yes. started contacting all the people, you know, try to find numbers and everything. And 
Uh, it says here in the article, like one person was like, well, I don't really believe this. I didn't believe it was happening until they actually showed up and delivered mm-hmm. the package. And so I, you know, wow. You know, I don't know if I would have thought to have done that. You really got to hate your job to do that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, Scrooge. I, I, can't, I can't see, you know, as, as well as FedEx and UPS track their packages. You know whose truck <laughs> yeah. it was on. You know who was driving in that shift. How, why would you even think of that? You know, this is this is. But then again, you really got to hate your job to to even care about something like that. But I, I wow. Yeah. Oh, let me get up and track yeah. my package. Say, uh, oh, it's on the side of a bridge. Okay, good. Ah, it might have been not, date night. Will never be delivered. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's date night. He's in a hurry. That's right. <laughs> Or maybe he had an interesting podcast he was really trying to get to and he wanted to hurry up and See? get there. Maybe That's that was it, too. Right. That's you got to get your priorities right, man. You yep. got to get your priorities right. So yeah. anyway, to the couple in Ohio who saw the packages on the side of the road and decided to deliver them. Hats off to you. We appreciate you. You inspire me. Now, I think my first thought is going to be if I ever see that happen, besides thinking to myself, what is that dude doing? I think my next thought is going to be, I need to go deliver those packages. As long as they're local. Let's not get crazy. I mean, I mean, Santa yeah. has his his sleigh and everything, but he didn't have to pay for gas. So this is true. Yeah. Yeah. Deer pellets. And that's about it. Right. That's yeah. it. That's it. <laughs> Deer food. Oats. Mm-hmm. All right. So, oats. Yeah. Because he wants a bag of oats. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a bag of oats. Yeah. All right, so uh, here's what Tom's ready to talk about. Um, This is from our Religion News Service, uh, and it's introducing a book that came out last week. And the the article is titled, Why Americans Are Leaving Their Churches. Now, I think we've talked about this, you know, topic, broad topic before. I'm sure we have, because uh, that kind of impacts ministry in a lot of ways. Uh, but this book, interesting for a couple of reasons, one that you guys picked up on, you know, it's like this is a British, British, social British, British, a British sociologist. sociologist, a sociologist from Britain, um, yeah. English dude, gotcha, <laughs> an English gotcha. dude, <laughs> gotcha, a British sociologist, thank you, uh, mm-hmm. uh, wanted to look at this growing trend in American churches and uh, the reason why it, it was interesting to me, the topic, of course, uh, is something that has been brought up in different ways on this podcast, because certainly, you know, when we started doing this, it was as a result of the pandemic and, you know, things were already changing. People were already mm-hmm. kind of shifting. And so, you know, and, and obviously for decades, you know, the, the conversation has been, you know, what's happened to the church, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And so the topic itself is nothing new, but uh, I did appreciate uh, his three big reasons that he identifies for what's happening here. And so I thought it'd be kind of interesting for us to maybe look at those and then kind of reflect on what that might teach us. Somebody who's looking at the, you know, the data, who's looking at the numbers, who's not guessing, who's not uh, sort of, you know, over-spiritualizing things even. It's just, you know, this is what's happening, you know, um, and kind of see how that can help us think about, you know, what our present and future ministry might be. Um, so the title of the book is Nonverts, The Making of Ex-Christian America. What does ex-Christian America mean to you, Brad? Uh, former, former Christian, 
that that America is no longer a Christian nation. And, and you know, I remember this sociological d- debate 30 years ago in seminary is or 35 years ago in seminary that we were talking about, you know, was the United States really ever Christian right. as much as it was rebellious against, you know, church state politics and stuff. But, uh, you know, the trend of, of, of the vision of the world or from the world of the United States is that we are always Christian. We've, we've been Christian since the beginning. And um, regardless of the fact that we, you know, have separation of church and state, religion, freedom of religion, expression of religion, and so on and so forth, it doesn't matter. The, the world sees us as a Christian nation because by and large, we really used to be, you know, the vast majority of people were Christian in the U.S. And now that trend is, is you know, kind of filtering out into all sorts of different religions, and, and we have to acknowledge that. But uh, ex-Christian America literally means that we are, and maybe even post-Christian would be a more accurate term. I'm not sure about ex-Christian, but he's talking about people who are leaving the faith, mm-hmm. not those who are who were never in it, you know, right? Well, so, and, and again, so yeah, you talked about, you know, yeah, was was America ever really Christian? I mean, that's I think that's a ongoing conversation for a lot of reasons. Um, mm-hmm. And especially when we look back, you know, to a couple hundred years before, you know, what our expectations of what that would be versus kind of what their expectation, their reality was kind of helps in, um, influence that conversation. But mm-hmm. to your point, yeah, people are leaving. Right. right. And right. so why are they leaving? Uh, so the first reason he says is, Tom, and I'll give you first crack at this. Uh, 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 oh, and that it's yeah. sudden. This is something that's sudden, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 19 years. It, it yeah. happened 1989, really. Yeah. Was, and it's, was that transition, the fall of the Berlin, Berlin Wall. Uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, now, uh, and, and honestly, once the, the wall came down um, and having lived in Russia, uh, I, can, I can say the shock for me was to go against the go into the evil empire. And find out a couple of things. One, this great power, uh, it was it was smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. You, know, it, it, you know, they weren't as great as they appeared to the outside world. Uh, that you know, it was stepping back at least fifty years as far as everyday life in in uh, in the city. You know, uh, I heard story after story. And the the other thing uh, that that I discovered, you know. A lot of people said we we went to to we went to bring God to them, mm-hmm. and then you discovered uh, God has uh, has never been left. There all along. He never <laughs> left. So it wasn't a godless nation. It was just it was it was it was the godless nation against the Christian nation, which both were both statements are untrue. Mm-hmm. So so basically, the the curtain got pulled away. And and we begin to see reality, some reality uh, to it, and and uh, and so his point was was when that happened, we were no longer facing the godless communism who were trying to undermine our government. Um, you know, we we discovered, like like I said, God. You know, I was our our God was already there, and um, and the other thing is, and and uh, you know. We move from we are we have an enemy to how do we befriend these people and and they were 
you know, very gracious while we were there. They were very friendly. They, they didn't have the same images of, uh, of, the, of America that we had of Russia, that the Americans are our enemies. Yeah, you know, the Germans, they had, that's who, who they still looked at because of World War II. And I think so the, the, go, go ahead, ahead Brad. Well, I was just going to say one of the other things that he points out in this is that, and, and you're exactly right, 1989, think about that. That was 33 years ago. The trend that he is clocking in this study are those folks under 30, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so the mindset of them is that, well, there was never really a Soviet Union threat to us in our whole lifetime. We don't know what that means. We studied it, but it doesn't mean anything. It's just history. And so when you're looking at people under 30, their world has always known the wall has, what wall? You know, what are you talking about? There's no wall. We don't, that's, that's before their time. And so it's kind of a, I don't want to say it's mythological, but it is historical, but it's old. It's, you know, we don't worry about that anymore. And so you're talking about a whole different mind shift. Um, I used to follow the Beloit college mind sh- uh, mindset list every year. I don't know if anybody else would remember that, but but Beloit College in Beloit, Wisconsin, and it's now some other college that's taken this over, used to produce a list of the incoming freshmen in college, 18, 19-year-olds, and what their worldview is compared to anybody who's born before that. And, and it's phenomenal, the stuff that we take for granted that they're going, we don't know what you're talking about. Sure. You know, dial phones. Uh, a forty-five is is not a beer or a gun. You know, for us, a forty-five is a little record. You know, sure. forty-five RPM. Yeah, but they don't. You know, they don't have that. You know, they have never known the world without um, without compact discs or without MP3s and without you know that kind of stuff. It <clears throat> they've never known the world without iPhones. You know, th- this is this is a whole different concept. So. When you're talking about exactly where you are or where you were when you were going over to Russia in, in the, you know, after after 89, these folks that we're looking at in this in this whole thing here, the Cold War is ancient history. That's not something they ever experienced. They didn't know what that was like. And so their worldview, even of Christianity, is different. And that's something that I, th- I find uh, fascinating. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of the in the Cold War, a lot of the argument, it wasn't just government against government or even worldview against worldview. It was, you know, God versus, versus godlessness. Yeah, godlessness. Mm-hmm. And so yep, if you're absolutely. if you're if you're in America, and this is to his point, if you're in America and you know, maybe you aren't real keen on this religious stuff, there's no way you can really admit that because then you're automatically labeled a communist and exactly. you're against you're anti-American and there's something wrong with you and who knows what you know the government wants to do to you. And so well look look at Joe McCarthy I and mean, that whole era in the 1950s right. was about that. Right. You know, you godless people, how could you threaten? How could you challenge this? This any, is America. So, so any question or any you hear Kate to Smith it, singing it, in the background, you know, God bless America, you know. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so you, it, you can even see that, you know, the faith was even kind of, it was used to sort of prop up this, this, right. this goal, right? Tom, go mm-hmm. ahead. Well, I was going to say what's, what's interesting, um, you know, having read before we went to Russia, some, you know, just kind of a, an overview of the, the thinking of Russian people, uh, 
what you know they were very grateful for their freedom that you know we are we always uh, express how wonderful it is to be free here but they were very grateful for their freedom because we you know we we weren't limited like the americans and you go what are they talking about well in russia you have to have a passport i mean you just it's it's like it's like a driver's license you just, if you're going to go anywhere you have to have a passport i mean they had they had checkpoints as you left the city and you know you show them your passport and then you go on we didn't have passports therefore we couldn't we couldn't travel we couldn't mm-hmm. go anywhere we had to stay in our city because we didn't have passports they it, the idea of not having passports was beyond their imagination sure so you know the same thing for us you know is we we've, we've we at that time had a view of what russia was like and and then when the curtain fell literally the iron curtain fell because there was a wall and that wall came down and we saw on the other side of the wall and everything changed for both sides of that wall. And so now that, you know, that uh, sense of, you know, God versus ungodly, you know, that was kind of held together by, you know, the wall and everything that went with it. Now that that's been gone, like you said, you have entire generation people that that's just foreign to them. And so now, if, if you have these doubts about faith, about church life, whatever, I mean, now you're not un-American if you share that. Now you're not like, um, you're not evil. It's just now you can share that in a way you couldn't probably do it before in, in a couple generations past. So uh, what he's bringing up is that's kind of one of the first big reasons why we see this happening so fast more and more today that it's people are able to do that. And it's and it's okay. It's okay to question. It's okay to leave, right? It's okay yeah. to not go to church on Sunday morning. Where in 1950 or whatever, if you didn't go to Sunday worship, you know, you were looked at a certain way, right? Um, and you couldn't I mean, do business. You know, you right, really couldn't exactly. do business. Right. It, it was a network. It's a networking yeah, theater, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You right. had to belong to a social club. You had to belong to a, a social organization like the Lions Club or the Elks Club or the Masons or the, the whatever. And, and to be a part of a church actively, you had to sit in the front rows. I mean, everything. You needed to be publicly seen as supporting these values, whether you actually believed them or not. You, as long as you were there, right? As long as you were there. Yeah, and there was. There wasn't going to be a conversation around your doubts at all. Exactly. Right. Exactly. exactly. Well, all right. So this, the the second factor kind of relate what you guys are talking to before is just sort of the explosiveness of all this. I mean, mm-hmm. every part of life has felt this uh, over the last couple of generations. I mean, history has always evolved. History has always progressed and technology, but it's never happened so fast over the last, what, 50 to 60 years, 70 years. So the second factor is the sudden appearance of the Internet, which made it possible for like minded people to meet each other. So if you were the one or two people before who maybe had the doubts, whatever, you maybe felt uncomfortable. You couldn't share that with the people in your Sunday school class. They would think who knows what of you. But now that the Internet is open to you, I mean, you, it's so much easier to find people who may share uh, exactly. your questions, your doubts, you, you know, your inclinations, and, and, and you can meet with them in ways that you couldn't do before. Yeah. And one of, one of the things I, I think is, uh, you know, it's, there's so, something to the detriment of the society uh, 
when that happens, because what you do is you begin to build silos. And so now the walls aren't a physical wall in Berlin. Now the, the walls are the chat room that, you know, that you enter and you become, um, you, 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 you gather with people who are like-minded, which is, which is great. I mean, that's part of the being the church. But uh, one of the things that's that's great when you look at the the beginnings, uh, uh, the beginning uh, life of the church, you know, this movement of Jesus Christ is Lord. It it brought in that diversity. That verse diversity existed within the context context of the church. You 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 have someone who's healed. Um, who's healed uh, where a demon has been cast out. Mm-hmm. You have someone who's, who's a, a, uh, an officer in the military. You have a jailer. You have, you have a rich woman who, uh, who carries, uh, who, has, who, who has a great deal of prestige and influence, and yet she is a follower of Jesus Christ. And they're coming together and, and centered in Jesus Christ, but they bring in such diversity. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, part of that, that, you know, I see it uh, in definitely every election cycle that we're gathering with like-minded people and now we've created good and evil. And it depends on which side of the aisle uh, as, you know, the Republicans are the evil, the Democrats are the good or the, the Democrats are the, are evil and the uh, Republicans are the savior. I mean, that kind of conversation goes on because now, now it's safe to gather in your silo, but it's not easy to speak your, you know, speak uh, openly and have questions outside of that silo. You know, the fun part about the silo that you're talking about now is that when, when all of those chat rooms began, you didn't have to do anything to just join it. You just signed up for it and you got in. And now all of a sudden there's, you have to answer these three questions before we as administrators will allow you in, you know, that, that kind of stuff you're seeing more and more of is, is we're going to make sure that you are just one of us and not, and you know, somebody coming in to troll or, or whatever. Uh, it, yeah. That's a, that's a big issue for us nowadays is, is being able to make sure that, that you are one of us and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think I think you're right about the, the politics of it, too, is that you have to believe our values. You have to buy into our values if you want to be a part of this group. And, you know, it's it's kind of funny to, to think funny, not haha, but funny, peculiar to think that the only way that we could have ever done this before was to, you know, join a small secret society or a secret club or something like that, <laughs> which was always frowned upon. And now. If you're not in one, if you wore white, uh, a lot of white. Yeah. You know, if, yeah, well, yeah. And, and all kinds of other things you you had to have a manifesto and this, that, the other, but you know, I I think, you know, even now, if you're not in one of those, what's wrong with you? (laughs) You know, how do we know who you are? And, and you have to be identified with something or other. And, and so when Christians come about and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not an elephant or a donkey. I'm not red or blue. I am a cross. And they look at you like, what? <laughs> That's what not color is that? Yeah. yeah. What, what kind of cross? You know, is it, you know, and, and then they, you know, it's it just, it's, it's interesting that we have to be able to pigeonhole everyone in order to be able to identify and, and to be able to communicate with them or to avoid them totally. 
And, and I forget who makes the point about Jesus. You know, look at his disciples that he that he chose. Right. You didn't choose yeah. me. I chose you. You have, you know, John, who's probably the you know, the I don't, I don't know how you describe him. But anyway, you have this sort of he's a uh, youngster who who uh, is in the family fishing business. Okay. Right. right. So yeah. every day, Unless every day, talking about the Baptist. No, you have you have John, uh, the disciple whom he loves. James and John. You have Peter. You have some zealots. You have some zealots in there. You have some people that are on fire. You have some. You have you have Judas in there, and yet Jesus brings all those people together. Well, you know the zealot and the tax collector. You want to talk about two absolutely polar opposites, and when they find out the other is 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 a what? You're a you're a zealot. You're a tax collector. Okay, yeah. I'm about done with this group here. I'm going to take him out and clean his clock. You know, I mean, this kind of thing going on. Yeah, and Jesus is going, settle down, boys. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And so back to the original point, then, you know, yeah, so the internet it just made it more accessible to be able wow. to connect with other people that you wouldn't have a chance to, well, I don't know. That's not the best way to say that. To connect with people that think, feel, and see things just like you do, which is which is actually good. It's a good thing. But right. then that becomes like you're like you use the word echo chamber. I think Tom, right? That's that's all. I it didn't becomes. use that, but but whoever yeah, did, well, yeah, I, it, it, it's a place it's a concept. That you can yeah. bounce your ideas right. out there, and they come right back to you. Right, five different voices. Mm-hmm. And the the third factor is actually kind of related to that. Um, he says, uh, in kind of circular logic, the nuns are rising because the nuns are rising. <laughs> Uh, human beings are herd creatures, and so we tend to do what our neighbors are doing. And so it's, well, you have larger groups of people who are doing this, and so if they're doing it, I must, I should be doing it as well. And so it's, mm-hmm. this is kind of, it's, um, yeah, herd mentality. It's uh, mob mentality. It's, you know, we, we follow the group, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Lemmings. Yeah. We're lemmings. So uh, bringing all that together, <clears throat> let's spend the last few minutes we have, like, <laughs> I mean, is there any hope for the church against that? I mean, do we, is there anything that we can take from that that is helpful for us to consider if we decide that, you know, the, the church should remain and ministry should be a priority? What what do we take from that, Brad? You know, that was the one thing that I, when I got done reading the article, I went, what, wait, what, that's all? That's it? That's just, this is where it ends? Uh <laughs> Because I was waiting to hear, you know, okay, so what's the path? What's the path coming forward? And then I went back to the very first paragraph and talked about it being just a a statistical analysis. And statistical analyses don't really give you a path forward. They just tell you what the statistics are and and give you the ideas of that. So, you know, I I was told a long time ago that, that we in the church have been given a compass. We know the general direction we're supposed to be heading. But we have to figure out the roadmap and, you know, figure out how to get around the obstacles that are before us. And this is what it means to be faithful, is to know that we can't lose sight of the general compass point. God is telling us to move in this direction, but we have to recognize that there are mountains, there are rivers, there are valleys, there are potholes, there are, you know, swamps, there are quicksand and all kinds of things that we can get caught up in. We have to figure out how to get through or around or over or under those in such a way that we don't lose sight of the compass point and keep doing that. So I don't know as I have an answer for all of this. I think we keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and that's a lot of trial and error too. You find out, you know, what is it that God wants us to do? Where is it God wants us to go? Who is it God wants us to speak to? And what's the message that God wants us to bring? And, and if we're faithful to that, we're no different than every other generation over the last two millennia that have been facing these kinds of challenges. Tom, what do we do? Well, one of the things that's interesting in the, um, in the article uh, that we, we all uh, uh, at least skimmed and, and, you know, I skimmed it because you were talking about the three points. I saw the three points and I went back and read um, parts of it uh, in a little bit more detail. And, and what was interesting is the person who's doing this analysis, first of all, he's British, but the second thing that's important to note is he was he was a nun. He grew up in a home that was none. You know, the, the, he didn't grow up in a religious uh, uh, environment and 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 be uh, let's say fertilized with the gospel. What happened in his life is, he, you know, he got invited to a meal, uh, and it was by um, what was that. Um, Christian is uh, our Catholic uh, Dominican priest or uh, anyway. And uh, to be a part of that meal, uh, you actually had to go to church and and participate in mass and and then go. But but he was befriended. He was invited to a meal. uh, uh, And and in that environment, uh, he suddenly became familiar with with. um, what it was to be religious or to follow the Lord Jesus Christ or to be a part of a community of faith. And he enjoyed it. Uh, he liked it and he stayed. And I think one of the things that we, we uh, in the United States, <laughs> first of all, whatever's happening today, uh, in the, all the comments and this, uh, you know, as a person who listens to, to sports and, and all these guesses, I mean, uh, and then you listen to them two weeks later and you go, boy, did they get that wrong? But it was, you know, it was the topic of the day and everybody was talking about it. Well, the one thing about, about us as followers of Jesus Christ, the message has never changed. Right. You know, take up your cross and follow me. Deny you know, yourself. Uh, take up your you know, deny yourself. Yeah. Deny yourself. And, and follow me. I mean, that was the invitation to Peter. That was the invitation to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, it, and, and for some reason, it's very simple. And yet it uh, has been effective throughout centuries uh, of, uh, of people who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So, mm-hmm. so you know, it, it, just to summarize is one is, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing, because it's the only thing we really have that is eternal, mm-hmm. that doesn't change with the latest fad. And the second thing is to create an environment where it's okay to talk about that and other things until people understand God loves them. You know, one last comment. He said in his article, he began attending mass. This is what you were just talking about. And he said, while he was there, he was impressed by the people he met who were bright and kind, and it was obvious that they lived what they believed and had made great sacrifices in order to become priests. If we live that life, people will notice. That's it. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah, I think uh, I, 
I think it's kind of a good thing. Like, you know, if if somebody is there just because they think they have to be there to impress the neighbors, whatever, I mean, I, I'm willing to let you off the hook. You don't need to be here, brother. You know, it's mm -hmm. okay. I mean, if you, you know, get, you know, we always have that conversation. Well, you know, what if they hear one sermon? That I, mean, I get all that, but, you know, there's other tools for that. Instead of holding people hostage, why not? Yeah, let, let, them, let them go. Because what tends to happen is, trying to keep all these people who don't really want to be there that's when we start changing things that um that we probably shouldn't be changing and right. that's when things get a little tricky and so uh yeah let the main thing be the main thing by yeah. letting that be what what we're sur uh, surrounding ourselves with and focusing our ministry on so previous episode from a previous episode mm -hmm. then we don't have to have flying drummers Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can have flying saxophone players instead. They're yes. they're yeah, not that saxophone players aren't as diva and expensive as drummers are. Let me just tell you that right now. Okay. I just want you to know. I think it should be oboists because, man, if you can do an oboe sitting still and you can do it on a, on a trapeze, you're good. You're good. You are really good. So yeah. All right. So uh, if you're a part of a church and you're seeing your church go through some of these numbers decline, like kind of think about like why and see if some of these explanations help you kind of put that into perspective. And then like you're staying there. So like, why are you staying there? Think about that mm -hmm. as well. Why are people leaving? But why are you staying? That's a part of our reflection, too. And uh, let's let's think about how that shapes our ministry and what our priorities are as we move forward. I think that's important for us to do as the church and if you see a fedex driver throwing packages to the side of the road call me i'll help you deliver them maybe right. I'll, I'll write it off my reimbursements how about that there you go <laughs> mission mission work that's mission work yes yes there all right so go. thank you for tuning in tom brad thank you for the gift of your time i appreciate your input let us know what you think check out the website and we will see you next week god be with you yeah. Mary Ed there. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, you brood of vipers. <laughs> <laughs>